Well, Happy New Year. It's good to, to see you in worship uh, today. And I want to thank Pastor Kayla for uh, breaking God's word open for us last week uh, as uh, I took some time away to be in Missouri. But I'll have to confess to you that my mother-in-law has Wi-Fi, so I was with you in the online community la last week. I'm sorry if that makes me an overly compulsive pastor who on vacation comes back and overwatches his church or whatever. Sorry uh, about that. But I was just thrilled because she did such an amazing job. She always does an amazing job. And so I just want to say thank you uh, to her. I also need to tell you something about this series uh, that we're entitling More Than a Story. Now, More Than a Story is our take on some of the key parables that Jesus told in the Gospels, primarily in the Gospel of Luke. As last week, as Kayla opened up the series by talking about Luke chapter 15 and a, you know, a, a, a shepherd who lost a lamb uh, a, a, a widow who lost a coin, a son who was lost by his family, and really a son who lost his way. And, and when we start talking about these parables of Jesus, there's a, there's a problem we have in the 21st century. Um, and that is that most of us, I mean most of us, don't understand the worldview, the cultural view of the first century. I mean, without research, we didn't live there. We didn't have the worldview. We don't think the same way. And so when Jesus was telling parables, he was telling stories and parables to people in a way that they would understand eternal truths. And they were more than just stories and cultural experiences. They, they really were designed to tell truth. But the problem is, if you don't see the world the same way that the people Jesus was talking to in that day saw the world, there's a temptation to either like write it off and not listen or to, or to take it and kind of skew it into your own form or fashion of what you would see. And, uh, and so, you know, it's important for us to understand our own limitations in understanding the parables that Jesus taught and ask God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to, to give us insight and wisdom. Because if we don't, we can make a horrible mistake. Let, let, me, let me explain. You see, I'm not a farmer. I wasn't raised on a farm. Uh, I was raised in parsonages, my, a church parsonage. My dad was a pastor. Now, my dad, on the other hand, his, his father and grandfather, they actually were sharecroppers. Uh, my dad used to talk about when he was a, a little kid, like seven, eight years old, going out and spending all day long uh, and this would have been like in the 1940s during World War II, and, and um, picking strawberries and getting like a quarter a day. And I'm like, goodness gracious, that's just crazy to pick strawberries all day long and get paid a quarter. And that's just, you know, I'm like, no way. Uh, but, but he had this in him. So imagine, if you would, when I'm about 15 or 16 years old, I'm a freshman in high school, we had just moved from a church parsonage because the church had outgrown its facility and, and they needed the parsonage for Sunday school rooms on Sunday morning. And so we moved out into the country and, and uh, my parents bought uh, 10 acres of land. My father saw this as a great opportunity to go back to his roots and to make farmers of his sons. And so he planted a garden and since it's Mississippi, and he's from western Kentucky, and my mother's from eastern Kentucky, um, he's like, you know, we, we need to plant the things that Mississippi people plant. 
So in addition to the tomatoes and the beans and the corns and all the things that, that they knew, and when I say corns, there were multiple kinds of corn, all right? Uh, well, not like Indiana where it's just all corn, all right? And, and, and so he planted this garden. And then, of course, it was my, my job and my brother's job to tend the garden, all right? Now, in my mind, it's 15, 16 years old. Tending the garden means making sure nobody's running through it. You know, I mean, you're just tending to it. But no, 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 that meant hoeing the garden, all right? That meant weeding the garden. Uh, that meant doing stuff I had absolutely no desire to do at all. Because at that age, I was interested in four things, all right? I was interested in football and basketball and baseball and girls, all right? And that, in, in, not in that order, all right? And, 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 and so you know, that, whole, that whole process, and, but hey, he's my dad, and we've got to go. Now, here's what happens. We plant the garden, and the garden starts growing. All the things that he knew how to grow, I mean, we got all this stuff. But the place where the peanuts were, because we had to plant peanuts, because it's Mississippi, because in Mississippi, you eat peanuts. They boil peanuts. They roast peanuts. Please, if you ever go down, don't, don't just take it from me. Don't do the boiled peanuts, all right? It's just mushy, slushy, nasty. Let it go, all right? Now, for those of you who have family there and you like boiled peanuts, God bless you. I love you. Please come back next week, all right? But, but I'm just telling you that I don't care for those. And, and, and as, we're, as they're, we're tending the garden, and every, every week is the same thing. Man, tomatoes are coming in, green beans are coming in, the corn is, is coming in, and my dad would stand there with this look on his face like, I don't know what we did wrong. There's nothing on the peanut things. I mean, we planted them just like the, you know, the instructions. I talked to my neighbor. He said we did it right, but we're getting no peanuts. But can I tell you something? Peanuts grow under the ground like carrots and potatoes. Nobody told us that. So we're hoeing the garden week after week. My brother and I are like, there are, not, there are no peanuts on these plants. We're not, until one day, we're not really sure now. Our memories have gotten, it's been so long ago. We're not sure if it was Kevin or me. One of us actually, by mistake, because we were not happy to do it, took the hoe and went really hard around the peanuts. And there were peanuts in that dirt. And we were blown away, and we're like, wow, there's stuff down there. And then, I'm, I'm not a farmer, okay? I'm, if you're a farmer, God bless you, I love you, I'm so grateful for you, because I like to eat, but I am not a farmer. And, and what happens is we go running up to the house, dad, 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 we found that, the look on his face was priceless. Wow, they grow under the ground. Yeah, we, who knew? I mean, well, everybody in Mississippi but us, you know. And, 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 so, and, and so we go and we get these five-gallon buckets, and, and now we're digging the peanuts out, and we're filling them into the bucket. We got four huge five-gallon buckets full of peanuts. We're so proud of ourselves. We've, we are really from Mississippi now. We've grown peanuts. And my dad says, I said, well, what do we do next? He said, well, oh, I've heard that you need to spread them out and let them dry. So you boys take these, now here's the exact quote, take these buckets to the barn and spread them out. Okay. I get two buckets. Kevin gets two buckets. We go down to the barn. I went to one corner and I put my bucket there. He went to the other corner, he put his bucket there. He went over, and, and I, you know, I went to the corner, put up, we, we, we came back. Dad said, did you spread them out? Yep, we spread them as far away as they could be. Okay, boys, good. About a week later, my dad comes up to the house. Boys, I was just in the barn. There's this horrible smell. 
What did y'all do with those peanuts? Well, Dad, we spread them out. They're in the, they're in the, you were supposed to spread them out on the floor. Oh, I am not a farmer. That's how bad a farmer I am. See, now, Pastor, why in the world would you tell us that story? Well, here's the deal. Jesus told a parable. It's one of his most famous parables. And I would suggest to you this morning that we've even named it the wrong way in your Bible, in the captions that are not inspired but man-created to tell you the chapter and verse divisions and all of that, because we call it the parable of the sower. And I don't think it's the parable of the sower. The more, I, the more I research, the more I read, I, I think it's the parable of the soil. You say, pa- pa- Pastor, you're not a farmer. I say, I know I'm not a farmer. But you're not either, most of you. At least not first century farmers. Because listen, listen, listen to this story, the way Jesus tells it in Luke chapter eight. Jesus' ministry was growing in popularity. There were people who were, who were underwriting him financially. He'd been going into synagogues and villages and healing people and doing miracles. And great crowds are now coming to him from all of these villages and all these farmlands. And, and, and he looks around, and, and the impression Luke gives that there are just like hundreds, maybe thousands of people following him. And Jesus turns around, and he looks at them, and he says this. The kingdom of God is like a, a sower who went out to sow seed. Not right there. He just lost some of us. Because, you know, the first time I hear somebody say, a sower, I'm thinking needle and thread. No, it's not that kind of sowing. It's sowing, throwing the seed. And so they, they would walk, and what they would do is they, they would take and they would throw the seed out as they went. Just kind of, here you go, here you go, here you go. And Jesus says, as, as the sower is sowing the seed, some of the, some of the seed falls on the path. And the path has this soil that is, that is hard and, and, and beaten down. And, and as a result, before the seed can even take root, birds from the air come and they, and they pick it up. Or people walk on it and they trample it. And then some of the seed, as he's sowing it, some of the seed falls, it, it, it falls in this area where it looks fine, it, it looks like there's, there's grass there, but there's dirt there. It, it, could, it, could, it could grow something. And the seed starts taking root. And it's starting to grow, and everybody's excited. But then the heat comes, and the wind comes, and the weather changes, and, and suddenly what looked like it was going to be a great, a great harvest of crop withers and dies because underneath the surface of the soil, there, was, there were these rocks. And that, that plant that looked like it was growing, it, it, has no, it has no depth to it. it. It's just on the surface level. And, and now it's hit the rocks. And now when the weather changes and the heat comes, and now it can't find the moisture and the nutrients it needs out of the dirt because the rock is in the way. And, and it dies. And some of the seed, some of the seed that the, that the sower would seed was seed that fell in the midst of some other seeds, of thorns and thistles. And as they all grew up together, the, the thorns and the thistles were hardier than the seed that the planter had sown. And, and so as a result, the, the thorns and the thistles, they choke, out the, they choke out the good seed that the sower had sown into the ground. But there was some seed 
Some seed that fell on good ground. Ground that had depth and nutrients. Ground, ground that, that, that was fertile. Ground that could produce a, a, a crop. And, and, and when, that, when that, that seed fell into that ground, with time, with patience, the, the sower saw a crop come out of the ground that was much bigger than what he had sown. And the one seed produced more crop and more seeds, and it was bountiful, and it was plentiful. And then Jesus stopped saying, let those who have ears hear. I'm not a farmer. What is he talking about? He's talking about seed. He's talking about the kingdom. He's talking about, he's, what, what is he talking about? What does he mean? And it's at that point in time when I'm reading scripture that I get so excited that I'm not the only dummy in the room. Peter is always there, and I love Peter for that. Because Peter is not a dummy, but Peter is the guy who will ask the question. He's not going to sit around and let the elephant perch over in the corner of the room and go, oh, we're just going to leave the elephant in the room. No, no, Peter's like somebody, James, John, somebody ask the question. And so in Luke chapter 8, Listen to what Jesus says in answer to their question. And when the disciples asked Jesus what this parable meant, he, he, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, the parable is this, all right? This is, all right, for 21st century folk, here, it's our turn now. It's our turn to hear, what in the world is he talking about with this sower and seeds and soil? The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root, but they believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. You see, what, what Jesus is, is saying to us is that there are different conditions that come in your life. And God's word, which by the way, the word is both the written word the Bible, inspired, scripture, holy, but also the word of God, Jesus. It was John in the first chapter who says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the word. And this book has authority because Jesus' spirit is the one who inspired the writing of this book. 
there's no, I, I get this every once in a while. Um, I'm sorry, my, my friend, uh, Dr. Jeff Frymeyer's here. He's a college professor, dean of the chapel at Asbury in Orlando. And, 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 and so, Jeff, you, you've, you've heard this. You know, uh, you, get, you get these guys and gals in class. You know, well, there was a council, and they decided what got in the book, all right? Which means it's not, it's not, it's, it's not really inspired. Who do you think inspired the men in the room? Who you think who you think worked in the hearts of the people to come to agreement? I've been in rooms with people who, who actually all look alike and they can't agree on stuff, all right? And how do you think this book, this, this holy scripture, has lasted down through the millennia to be something that still has power to speak to our world, even though we're not farmers? The story is more powerful than the time frame. Because the one who inspired it, the one who gives it life, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and the word is eternal. And what, what we find in this parable is that, is that as Jesus is telling it to the people, what he's really talking about is that in the kingdom of God, for those who will hear, they need to hear that it really, it really isn't the quality of the seed that makes the product. Because the, everybody got the same seed. And it, and it really wasn't the circumstances that they could control that determined whether or not they grew something. But it was the condition of their heart. Well, you see, the image, the metaphor of soil, it, it's that place where the word of God Hits into your heart. That's why Jesus says, okay, the ones who are, who are on the, the seed that falls on the hard path, those are the ones that they hear the word of God and before it can even take root, Satan snatches it away like the birds would snatch it. The people who are trampled. Here's what I find out. The seed is always the word of God. The sower is the spirit of God. You can't control either one of those or the circumstances of your life. But the one thing you can control, the one thing you can ask God to show you is how you receive. What is your, what is your soil in your heart? How do you take care of your heart? Because you can't stop people from trampling on your heart. You're going to get, you're going to get trampled down. It's going to happen. And the question is whether or not you will let that harden your heart to the point that the word of God and the love of God and the grace of Jesus can penetrate into the chasms of your heart and produce the fruit that it's supposed to for the kingdom. Or whether you're just gonna take the buckets and set them in the corner and let everything rot. You see, I believe that for too long in the church, when we've talked about this as the parable of the sower, we focus too much on the sower and too much on, we've, we've talked about this as an evangelism passage. Now we gotta go out and we gotta throw the word of God and we gotta sow the word of God and some people are gonna believe and some people, no, this isn't that kind of evangelism passage. This is a passage about your heart. The kingdom of God is like people who have soil where the seed can grow. The question for us is, are we willing to be cultivated? Are we willing to allow the soil to be turned over? Are we willing to allow God's spirit to shape and change our heart? Because we will be trampled. And, and to be honest with you, 
we, most of us have stuff buried under the surface like the rocks that cause the plants to wither. And many of us, many of us have cares and and the pains in the world. Jesus said, these thorns and thistles, they represent the cares of the world. And, and, and many of us, come on, we're coming out of a pandemic. We're coming out of that. But what I know is, what, what, what I know is that if we allow God access to our hearts, when, when our hearts have been trampled, Jesus brings healing. When, 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 when our hearts have been abused, when, when someone has wounded us, when, when life has thrown us a curve, they're, they're, God, in the midst of that, brings healing. Like many of you and Heather and Dave, Becky and I were actually watching Monday. I, I'm blessed in life. I married a woman who likes sports and watches it with me, all right? For the rest of you guys, Sorry. Buy another TV, get the extension, let her, let her go, all right? But my wife watches sports with me, she, and sometimes she yells more than I do. It's great, all right? And, um, and Monday night, when DeMar Hamlin was suddenly collapsed, makes a great play, jumps up, and then collapsed. We watched as suddenly nobody knew what to do except the people who needed to know what to do. Sportscasters, players, coaches, fans. As Heather said, people in restaurants. People, what, 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 what do we do? What do we do? And instinctively, young men, teammates, coaches, they begin to pray. They begin to cry. They begin to let their emotions out. But you know, you know why Damar is alive today other than the grace and sovereignty of God? Because in the grace and sovereignty of God, there was somebody who already had a plan in place and it had been put in place for every game in the NFL for the entire season and for multiple seasons and it had never, ever been used like this before. For a player to have a heart attack in the middle of a game. And as one, as one medical expert said later in the week, if you could have a heart attack there was no better place in the world to have a heart attack than on the football field in Cincinnati. Because within less than one minute, a man who is trained, a medical professional who knows how to, how to do the CPR, another one who knows how to, how to do the, 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 the defibrillator, the, 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 the ones who know how to make sure the breathing, every one of these people is a specialist, and every one of them, one hour earlier, had gone through a procedure, a process, a rundown that they do for every game, and this man could not have gotten better care if he had had a heart attack on the sidewalk outside of a cardiac unit. Why do I tell you that? Because when your heart has been trampled and when you run into something that takes you out unexpectedly, you need to know that your heavenly father has already put in place before you were ever born everything you need to make it through that time of being abused and trampled. He loves you that much. That's why it's so important to know that the seed is the word of God. That's why it's so important to know that the word of God is active and living as a two-edged sword. That's why it's imperative that we understand that this word from God is for us, regardless of first century or 21st century. It's just about us learning that God is about healing us. 
And he's already made the provision. Yes, someone's going to hurt you. Yes, someone's going to wound you. If you're living, you will be wounded before you die. The question is, will you let the one who loves you more than anybody else heal you from that woundedness? Or will you stay like the path where the seed hits it and bounces off? Somebody else just walks on you again and you develop the mentality that, well, that's just my life. Everybody's just always picking on me. <laughs> no, I see the parable of the soil is the parable of those who, who have learned what it means to be healed from being trampled. And, and by the way, when our hearts have barriers in them, you know, we, we, we have this experience of being connected with God, of understanding about Jesus, but and we grow for a little while, and then, and then suddenly there's no nutrient, there's no moisture because the rocks are in the soil. You've got to know, when, when our hearts have barriers from our past pain, Jesus can remove those barriers. I told you earlier, my parents were from Kentucky, my dad from western Kentucky, my mother from eastern Kentucky. For those of you who've traveled in eastern Kentucky, in some parts of eastern Tennessee and in Western Virginia and, and West Virginia, you, you, you'll go through and you'll see, you'll see as you're driving through the countryside, these beautiful fences made of stones. I remember as a kid when we would drive back to see my grandmother, I, I would look at my mom and say, Mom, where do they get all these rocks to make these fences? She said, from the fields. I said, what do you mean, from the fields? She said, well, when the farmer's out there and he's trying to plow and his plow would hit a rock and it would break it, then what they would do is they would pick the rock up and they would move it over. And I said, there were that many rocks in this? Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of rocky soil. And see, what, what I believe is that became a picture for me. A picture for me of underneath the surface, underneath the surface of our life in the place where we, we think we've got enough nutrients, but we really don't. And when our past pain lies there and it festers and and we've not allowed God to come in and, and recultivate the soil. Now suddenly, that, that past pain, it keeps wounding, it keeps harming, it keeps hurting. But, but here's what the parable of the soil says. It says that, you know what? God is able to take those things and remove them. And here's the beauty of what I, what I love about Eastern Kentucky stone fences is that the very thing that broke the plow, the very thing that kept the harvest from coming, the very thing that kept the seed from growing is removed, and now it becomes two things. Number one, a marker of possession, a barrier of possession. This is my land. This is where I've cultivated. This is what I've got, and it becomes a thing of beauty. I believe I believe that those of you who've had trampled hearts, those of you who have been abused, those of you who have had this situation in your life where you started a relationship with God, maybe at youth camp or a passion conference or a discipleship group or a revival service or a Sunday service at church, and you started on the path, and then, and then you just 
you just wilted on the vine and you died. And now it's just religion and now it's just form and it's just ritual. Can I tell you something? If you'll let God take your painful past, your memories of abuse, your, your hurt, your, the places where you've been harmed, and he can take that and, and now he removes it, what's left? Good soil. Good soil cultivated by the Spirit of God. But, but, uh, but I also want you to know that for some of us, some of us, we, we, we're not trampled down in our past, we've resolved. But then like, like the soil that the seed is planted in, there, there come up these worries. I love the way Luke phrases it through the Spirit. Worry, the, the, the worries and cares of life. You know what I've learned over a much longer period of life than I actually want to say in public? Because I got a birthday coming up in a few months, all right? I want to tell you this. Everybody's got worries and cares. And while you think yours are the most important, they think theirs are the most important. I mean, honestly, all these years being next to a university campus, can I tell you, church attendance always increases by college students two weeks before finals. Always, right? And that's okay, guys. It did that for me too, right? But can I also tell you that, that people who have doctor's appointments coming up and they're not sure exactly what the diagnosis is gonna be because they've had some stuff going on in their body and they haven't really told anybody about it, but they know that doctor's gonna figure it out, they start coming to church more regularly too. And, and people whose businesses are teeter-tottering on the brink of whether they're gonna make it through an inflationary time or not, you know, here's the deal. It doesn't matter if you're a high school student, a college student, a young adult, an older adult, a retiree, whoever it is, the fact of the matter is, life comes with thorns and thistles. Life comes with cares and heartache. The key is this. Do you allow, do you allow the seed of God to grow? Do you understand and believe the verse from 1 John that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? Leith Anderson wrote a book many, many years ago entitled Dying for Change. And in it, Leith Anderson, shared this illustration of how he moved into a new suburb and, and as he moved into his new home in this new suburb, he looked down the street and there was this one guy who had the epitome of a home and gardens lawn. I mean, he had the best lawn in the whole subdivision and Leach's like, I'm gonna get that lawn. The problem was his lawn was filled with weeds. No one had put sod down when they built his house. They just allowed the weeds that were there to grow. And so he, he determined, I'm gonna get rid of all the weeds. And so every night when he'd come home from his office, he'd go out and spend an hour pulling weeds out of his yard. I'm gonna get these weeds. I'm gonna get these weeds. He said, finally, about three weeks in, the neighbor with the really good grass came meandering down. Lee said, I'm on my hands and knees digging out dandelions, pulling everything out. I'm gonna get the good yard. And the guy looked down and said, uh, hey, Reverend, you don't really know what you're doing, do you? He said, yeah, I'm getting the weeds out of the, uh, I'm getting the bad stuff out. He said, no, listen to me. The only way you get a yard like mine is to put more good stuff in than bad stuff. And when you plant really good grass seed, it will choke out the weeds. 
Well, somebody needs to hear that this morning. Somebody needs to hear that instead of walking around your life trying to pick up the weeds and pull something out and letting the thorns and thistles and cares, if you will connect with the one who loves you more than anybody else, if you will connect with the Spirit of God, if you will connect with the Word of God, if you will let your life be focused where the soil is now soil that is ready to be cultivated, grow, instead of wandering around Dear Lord, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? No, no, listen to me. Make that prayer, dear Lord, what do you want to do in me? That's, that's what Heather was trying to talk to you about earlier. In our time of prayer. It's about saying to God, hey God, listen. I got to trust you. I got to have your presence. You see, when, when Jesus tells the parable of the soil... He's given us three kinds of soil that can lead to our destruction and only one kind of soil that can lead to our health. But you see, when our soil is our heart, it's imperative that we have the right people there to work on our heart. And the right person for your heart is Jesus Christ. When our hearts are being choked out by our problems, not, not just the pain of the past, not just the abuse, but when they're being choked out by our everyday problems right now, Jesus can give us help. He, he, he really can. He, he can make you new. In fact, the apostle Paul would write it this way, that in Christ, the old has passed away and all things can become new. This January, as we're launching into the unknown of another year, my prayer for you is that you will understand that no matter what has happened to you, God can do something new in you. And that you will get it this year. That God's heart for your heart, you're trampled down, your, your rocky soil, your choked out by the cares and troubles of this world heart. That he can take that heart, his heart for your heart, is that you would be healed, that you would be whole, and that you would be healthy. And that's not some kind of name it and claim it theology. That's not some kind of healthy, wealthy, and wise dream. It's the understanding that the author of everything, the creator of everything you'll ever experience, the mind that is greater than any thought you will ever have individually or collectively, the source of all life, the source of all light, the love, the grace of the God who is the sustainer and creator of the universe, that God has sown into you the seed of his love and his grace and his mercy. And the question is this, will you receive it? Will you allow him to do the work that needs to be done in your life? If your heart is hard like the path, will you allow him to chip up the hardness and find the goodness underneath? 
if the stones are there just underneath, will you allow him to remove them and make something beautiful and something that says you belong to him? If you're being choked out by all the stuff that happens, would you, would you let him remind you that that seed he put in you is greater than anything else ever? Jesus loves you that much. Over the holiday season, a member of this congregation, good friend, sent me a text and said, hey, I just heard this song. Now that happens to me a lot. There's some of you like always, but this person never sends me a song. Like I, I just, I just, I, I, I heard this song and I, and I thought, Pastor, this is, this is what we need to hear. They didn't know I was getting ready to preach on this parable today. And I, I, I listened. Actually, it, it came to me on Christmas Eve. I'm expecting a Christmas song, right? It's Christmas Eve. No. It's the song about Jesus. And, and the way that, that Jesus changes us. And in the Old Testament, there are these passages that talk about, about God singing over his people a little bit. Kind of this sense of, of, of God's involvement in our life. It, 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 it's kind of it's like parents, grandparents, those times when you stood over the bedside of your sleeping child or grandchild and you just kind of dreamed for them and planned for them and prayed for them and you'd start singing a little song lullaby it's kind of that picture that God himself that Jesus the son that the Holy Spirit that this Trinitarian Godhead reaches out and wants to sow seed in your life wants to sing over you. And so this morning, I just was just wondering if those of you who are on campus, if you would stand with me, would you do that? And those of you who are online, if you would just, if you could, if you could just really take a moment right now, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, to just lay aside. I don't know, if you're, if you're eating breakfast and going to church at the same time, lay the, lay the toast aside, okay? If you're reading your newspaper and listening to us, lay the, lay the paper down. Whatever it is you're doing, for, for these next few minutes, would you, just, would you just listen to the Spirit of God? Because I believe He's singing over you wherever you are right now. And He's singing words that sound something like I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Cause I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. 
Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Oh, Jesus, for my family, I speak the holy
occurs to me that if you're here today and maybe you've been a little trampled on or maybe maybe the rocks have kind of caused you to wilt maybe maybe you've been in that place where the thorns and thistles and the cares of the world are overwhelming if you want somebody to just pray for you before we leave today I'd be honored to do that so if you're on campus if you just just slip your hand up. I'll be glad to do that. Just a moment. Okay. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do as well. For those of you that didn't raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to think of somebody in your family, somebody in your neighborhood, or somebody at your workplace, someone in your circle of influence and you know that right now they're walking through that, that tough time. What I'm going to ask you to do is as I pray for these who've raised their hands here, I'm going to ask you to pray for that person in your life that you know that really needs to hear from Jesus in 2023. Okay? Let's pray together. Abba, Papa, Heavenly Father, for these who are in this room who have raised their hand to say, hey, hey, I, I, I'm struggling a little bit. I need to know that, that Jesus can heal me. Jesus can make me whole. That Jesus can bring health into my life. God, I ask you right now to begin doing that. Whatever situation they're in, whatever whatever exterior pressure is being placed upon them. I pray that you would fill them with your spirit in such a way that they would know just how much you love them and that you can get them through whatever it is they're walking through. And Lord, I, I also pray for, for the people that, that are in their world, the people who are, who are part of their circle the broken the wounded the hurting Lord I pray that you would begin to speak into their life and I also pray that you would begin to give us a courage a strength a heart to share how much you love with those who are hurting so that as the world has rejoiced this week to see the healing of, of one professional athlete, that all the saints, angels in heaven would begin to rejoice at the healing of hearts all over the world because that's exactly why you sowed the seed in our soil. It's in the strong name of Jesus Christ.